0: Hello, hello, my beautiful friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. I am so excited that you're here. Today, I have a very special guest. I first met today's guest, I think it was a year ago, last summer. I met her while I was coaching at Natalie Kovorek's Rural Rooted Retreat in Texas, and immediately I connected with her. We have so many things in common, and she has so much wisdom to share. Our guest today is Callie Thorne, and she is a keynote speaker, a global leadership trainer, mindset coach, and multi-business entrepreneur. She is married to her husband, CJ, and they have three young children. She grew up on her family's farm and ranch in Northwest North Dakota, and today they operate multiple enterprises, including a backgrounder, a backgrounding feedlot, cow-calf operation, they run yearlings, and they sell beef directly to consumers. Callie is also a certified member of the John Maxwell Leadership Team, where she works with a variety of clients. She hosts rural women's masterminds and offers one-on-one coaching. She also works with farm and ranch families to improve their relationships, business, and communications. She also offers a mental health first aid certification classes, which teaches others how to identify, understand, and respond to signs of mental health and substance use challenges. Without further ado, let's dive on in. Hello there, beautiful friend, I'm your host, Kaya, a cattle rancher turned accidental life coach after embarking on my own health journey, losing over 100 pounds, but most importantly, rebuilding my relationship with myself. Now I am more on fire than ever to empower others to create a healthy life that they love from the inside out by sharing the tools, tips, and strategies that I've learned and continue to learn along the way mindset, health, body image, self-love, entrepreneurship, and more. We're here to chat about climbing the mountains of life all while finding joy in the journey. Welcome to the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. Now, let's get climbing. Welcome to the show, Callie. Thank you, Kaya. I'm so excited to be here with you today. And I am so excited to have you. You know, Callie, I feel like if I could have rewinded time and gone back to uh, our drive together from the Colorado Denver airport to Kansas, I feel like we could have recorded an entire an entire podcast show on that drive.
1: That's what I was just thinking about is how much we talked the whole time. I mean, the reason I drove was so you could get your work done, but I think we just talked almost all the way. <laughs>
0: And I don't see anything wrong with that. The work got done all as well. But even from that conversation, I just knew that I needed to get you on the show and introduce my audience to you. I just love what you're doing so, so dang much. But before we jump into all that goodness, I want us to rewind and kind of start back at the beginning. I'd love to ask you, Callie, what is your origin story? What did the journey
1: look like that led you to here and the work that you're doing today? Mm-hmm. I think that's interesting. In fact, I was just at one of our local coffee shops and I ran into a couple Older women and they actually asked me a very similar question. They knew me. I grew up here in Watford City. This is our original homestead that my great grandparents started, and so it's been passed down. But I think a lot of times people will ask, like, how did you get into this business? You know, whether it's the speaking, training, coaching, the leadership stuff. And I've really done this specific work for I would say about the past three and a half years, but I will often go back to 4-H and FFA. And I think those were the things that really got me started wanting to to always be learning and achieving and leading and speaking and training. But kind of with the Maxwell team and getting into this business, I joined that team about three and a half years ago. And it was one of those super weird things where I wasn't Googling John Maxwell. I wasn't looking for a different career path. I was in direct sales at that time, actually. And all of a sudden I'm on Facebook And it says in one of those sponsored ads, and it says, become a speaker, trainer, coach with the Maxwell team. And I thought, what? He has a team. And so if you don't know who John is, he's known as the world's leadership expert. I mean, he's traveling to different countries and training their leaders. He's written over 80 books, many leadership related. And so I, of course, clicked on the link. And then the next day, somebody calls me, and I was like, "Ooh, I don't know if I really wanted somebody to call me," but we visited. And long story short, I joined in. Things have just kind of spiraled out of control in a great way these past three and a half years with what I've been able to create and do and build with the team.
0: Okay, Callie, I am dying to know or to to realize or learn that the reason you got in the line of work was through a
1: social media advertisement. Yes, it was one of those sponsored ads, and I. I like to think like my phone is listening to me all the time, you know, and ads will pop up like you mentioned one thing and an ad shows up. But that was the crazy thing. I had not Googled John. I wasn't talking about him. I, I honestly saw it as a sign of like for the last two prior years, I had been thinking like I enjoy what I'm doing, but what I enjoy about it the most is getting to work with a team, getting to develop leaders, getting to coach people And so this literally kind of just fell into my lap and I've been loving it.
0: It was meant to be. Gosh, that is so funny. Meanwhile, I wish that I had more useful ads being delivered to me because meanwhile, I'm just buying (laughs) random weird things on the internet while I'm scrolling when I shouldn't be scrolling, you know, not shifting my career path entirely through my Facebook ads. (laughs) Exactly. A whole new business opportunity in front of you. Oh my gosh, that is too funny. Well, you know, in, in sharing a little bit about your background, you have these so many different parts of you and your businesses that are, you know, maybe outside looking in, not related at all. You have like, very much this agriculture piece. And then you have this leadership and coaching piece. But how do these skills that you foster and teach as a coach and in leadership translate into the roles that you play as a mom, as a business owner, and in the agriculture sides of things that you're involved with?
1: I think they all, that's the interesting thing is because they can be seen like so different, but I almost think that's what makes it so unique in This industry or whoever it is I'm working with, because we currently get to do those things: we're farming and ranching full time, selling beef, running yearlings. We're getting to AI, do a variety of things, and so we have our kids with us all the time. They're 11, 9, and 5, and so getting to sprinkle that in. With all the work that I get to do, though, too. And so the interesting thing is I'm in front of agricultural groups a lot of times, and that can kind of vary whether it's young farmer ranchers, it's women in ag, whatever that might be. But sometimes, like just this week, I was in front of a bank or I've been in front of oil field companies, dental offices. And the thing that's unique is no matter what I'm teaching them, a lot of the leadership trainings are similar. But no matter what, they're hearing my ag stories, they're hearing our agricultural background and what that looks like, you know, some of my family's history to what we're doing today. So I think it's such a incredible way for me to be able to teach them the leadership skills and training, but they're also learning so much about agriculture and seeing what that role looks like, too.
0: Mm, that's so good. I relate to that so much because similar to you, I do speak to a lot of agriculture organizations, but what we do, what we teach is so broad, really just human skills that can relate to any business organization or individual. And what I've found is while, of course, ag organizations connect to my ag background, non-ag people love hearing and connecting with someone with an ag background.
1: For sure. Because it is. It's such a different industry that we're in. It's a rare one, I think, because it was about a year ago we were branding at our place. And I've seen a lot of your branding stuff recently. I mean, it is a complete family, friend, community, big to-do. We probably have well over 100 people show up at our branding and we rope still and we have conversation. It's an all-day thing. Lots of riding and into everything. And I remember it was last year at our branding and it was at my grandpa's original place. And there were just cattle everywhere. It was a beautiful day. The grass was actually green. There was family, friends all over. And there were bazillions of children running around everywhere. And I just thought myself, I stood there and thought, this is such a rare life that I get to live. Getting to be able to still share this story or pass on some leadership training skills, mindset things and plug in all, all of this life that I get to live as well is such a unique perspective.
0: Mm, that's so good. That is so, so good. Okay, you know, you are in North Dakota. So I would say that your life and the seasons, literal seasons that you live in, look a little bit different than my life here in California. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I wanna talk a little bit with you about seasons, not just as it relates to the weather, which I know is very relevant to all things agriculture. The weather is a big, big piece of that. But I also wanna talk to you in terms of seasons of life and seasons of business. What does it look like for you? to kind of manage all of the different things that you're juggling all at the same time. I mean, some could argue, Callie, that you have like seven full-time jobs. How do you find balance, or maybe even balance isn't the right word, but how do you kind of navigate managing that with the seasons while also taking care of yourself?
1: Yes. Speaking of seasons, we did have snow just a couple of weeks ago. And I think for the record, I have family that has told me that snow has been recorded in North Dakota Every month of the year. I mean, it obviously doesn't stick around in July, but you you never know. I often joke, we're an hour from Montana and maybe a couple hours from Canada. So we definitely get all the seasons. But I, I do. I love this topic because it can be a challenge. And I think it's often talked about, but people aren't always given the skills or the training on how do we figure it out. Because I think, especially, I really think as women, we so often can compare. There's the pros and cons to social media, but it's so easy to be like, I should be doing more or what do I want life to look like? And we don't always hit the pause button to try and figure that out. And so I've seen a lot of different seasons. I mean, something that has even been challenging for me is when I've switched my roles or when I first graduated, I worked for North Dakota State University in extension. So I got to work with a lot of youth, a lot of people in agriculture And I still remember when I was about to leave that job and my mom said to me, are you sure you want to do that? And I already wasn't sure. And so I was like, wait, mom, don't question me because I'm already questioning myself. Right. And so I've seen that happen a handful of times. But I think a lot of times that's where our mindset and perspective come into play, because I just often have the belief I will make this work. And if it doesn't work, like I'm going to figure it out. I'll pivot, I'll do something to make sure it works because sometimes being an entrepreneur can be tricky. And I I had a friend ask me just the other day. She's like she just kind of looked at me and said, "What do you do exactly?" And I kind of laughed because I was like, <laughs> "Well, it depends on what you're interested in, and I'll right. tell you what I do, right? If you're looking yeah. for beef, I'll tell you about that. If you're looking for training, I'll tell you about that." But somebody as well said to me the other day, they're like, I think your title is really just entrepreneur. And so when you're a mom, a wife, uh, anything, you know, when you're involved in your community or you're running a business and stuff, I often say it's not a balancing act because balancing means things are equal and it's not always equal in my life. And so some days in weeks, I'm home with my kids a lot more and we're running to sports and events and things like that. And then there's, of course, other times where I'm running a lot or I can be on the road. And in fact, I had to make that hard decision in March. I traveled quite a bit in March for speaking events and spring break was coming up. And that is typically when I head down to Florida to work with John Maxwell and the team and get some training. And it happened to fall during my kids' spring break. Mm -hmm. And because I'd been traveling so much, I made the decision to stay home with them that week. And we went swimming, we had ice cream, we hung out outside, did all the things. And I think you often just have to go with your gut and figure out, okay, what feels harmonious, right? How can I live in harmony? Because there's going to be a few days on the road, but then there's going to be a few days at home. And I'll often tell people, you look at my my stories or those highlight reels, it looks like Callie's just working 24-7 and all these things. But like I said to somebody today, I said, well, you might not know, but I was home all day yesterday hanging out with the five-year-old. And so you have to figure out what that looks like to you though. And that takes some slowing down and figuring out what do I want? What's a priority to me?
0: I love that you talked about harmony. Like maybe what I feel like what we are taught to seek in our life is balance, but maybe it's not about balance and it's more about the harmony. And I think that is such a beautiful way to approach it.
1: And I think that's the thing, It knowing it will be different for everyone because we're so eager to be like, how does Kaya do it? How does Callie do mm-hmm. it? How does so-and-so do it? But you really have to look at your own schedules. I mean, I'm a 4-H leader. I do Sunday school. I'm with the cattle women, right? You could, we could all list all these things, but there's a lot of things I say no to as well, which mm-hmm. we don't always see just to try and find like, we only have so much time in a day. And mm-hmm. so how do I want to spend my time? and a great mentor of mine has always said, I am where I am today because of the choices that I have made or I've allowed somebody else to make for me. Mm. And it's all on me, what I'm saying yes to and what I'm saying no to, I think. I love that. What I know about you, Callie, from
0: our work at Rural Rooted with Taryn Dreeling about the Enneagram, I know that you and I are both Enneagram threes. And for those of you that are familiar at all with the Enneagram I would say that every Enneagram number has their strengths, of course. And a lot of times those strengths are also their weaknesses. And the Enneagram three, we are known as the achiever. And this is this is me kind of putting it into words. So tell me if this resonates with you or if you'd explain it this way. But one of the benefits of the threes is we're really good at walking into a room in a space and knowing who we need to be in that space and in that room, which I am assuming serves you really, really well, Callie, and all of the different roles that you play, whether it's being mom or whether it's being a keynote speaker or whether it's being a committee member on a local organization or a Sunday school teacher whatever that looks like. And at the same time, that strength also becomes our greatest weakness because we kind of forget who we are separate from all these roles that we play when we're not in front of other people, when we're not really actively trying to achieve. And I know that understanding this about myself as a three, I realize why I struggle a lot with comparison. So I'm curious for you as an Enneagram, I know you brought up comparison earlier. How do you kind of balance knowing what is for you versus knowing what you're doing in order to be successful and achieve and do things because of that comparison thing that can sometimes kind of slip in?
1: I think that's that's super tricky and a good question. And you'll laugh. So going back to that retreat, one of the things Taryn had told me was, she said, the next time you go for a run, just don't think about anything. And I, I just sat there and was like, what do you mean? Don't? She's like, don't listen to a podcast. Don't listen to a book. Don't listen to music. Just go like be in your head. And I'm like, ooh, I don't know if I want it that quiet, right? To hear my own head. But I think that's the thing is, If you are willing to slow down, and the good thing is, is when I do trainings like this with women too, or when I do some of my masterminds is like, it's a good refresher to me to be like, huh, is this what I like? What are some of the other areas I want to chase? Because I have joked with my husband, sometimes when I get overwhelmed, because I'm like, I should just go volunteer. I could volunteer all day long at all the different places. And he's like, okay, you're going off the deep end. (laughs) Because there are so many things I would love to do and be able to do. But that's the thing, I can see somebody else come up with a good idea. And I'm like, Oh, maybe I should consider that. Or maybe I should see how they run their programs. Mm -hmm. But that's when I have to, when I do it, sit and be still and think, okay, where am I really being called to with my gifts and talents? And I think something that was super helpful to me, I was in a Zoom yesterday with a bunch of women and I was talking about all these different things that I have going on. And it's like, okay, how do I don't know, what do I want to plan for the summer, for the fall, for the next year that's coming up? And somebody said to me, and I thought it was so profound, she said, Sometimes all these ideas that we get, or even when we're comparing and stuff, or somebody started that, or is doing this other thing that sounds exciting, when an idea comes to you, maybe just write it down, Mm. right? And take some time on it, but then also realize that that idea might not have been given for you to implement. It might be for you to pass on to somebody else. In your mm-hmm. community or in a group that they're supposed to run with or that they're supposed to be part of. Mm-hmm. And I had even heard that comparison to like a Sunday school one time, right? If I'm the one that's saying yes to everything, then that's not opening that door or opportunity for other people who maybe that's where they need to start developing their skills.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. I love that so much because I I feel like we're a lot of the same person, Callie. <laughs> <laughs> And I would say we are both very much multi-passionate people. And my husband, he's the one that has to give me the, that reality check sometimes of like, Kaya, you can only do so much. You cannot do all of the things, especially not, not all at one time. And so I have notes and notes and notes on my phone of ideas and projects that I plan and I've mapped out. But I like to think about it as like my notes section of my phone is like a parking lot for ideas. And Mm -hmm. maybe they're not all here, but I love that idea of maybe some of the ideas that are planted in you are for you to pass along. And I think it's important for us to have a very abundant mindset in order to feel comfortable doing that. Because I I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but sometimes I'm like, oh, I have this great idea, but I want to safeguard it right now because I don't want anyone to steal my
1: idea. But what if that idea isn't for you to bring to fruition anyways? Right. Right. That's a good thing to think about is like who who gets that idea or how do we get those ideas and what do they look like? And I think so much of that, though, comes back to I can tell in my body, even or just in my mind, everything when it's like this is too much. Right. Like Mm -hmm. this, this was too much. But sometimes we have to live and learn that. But I think that's the interesting thing. I see a lot of people that don't learn from it. And they keep mm-hmm. in staying in that state of overwhelm. Yes. I have a coach mm-hmm. that has said that, like, don't be overwhelmed. That's not that doesn't feel good to us, right? That's mm-hmm. too much. I I have too much on my plate. I'm feeling overwhelmed. But then there's also this underwhelmed. It's not quite enough. And you yeah. have to know you because I, again, kind of like you, I like to run. I like to go. I like to be active. I like to be traveling. All the things. Like I'm not a. I don't sit still very well. Hence Mm -hmm. the Enneagram three issue, right? But what can I do? How can I make my life be more in a state of whelm? Mm -hmm. W-H-E-L-M, right? Like I wanna live in that whelm because it's not Mm -hmm. too much and it's not too little. And so what does that have to look like for me?
0: Ooh, I love that. You know, one of the questions that I have been using to ask myself as a three when I find myself feeling pulled in all these different directions or all these different ideas is, A way to kind of ground myself is asking, if nobody knew what I was doing, what would I choose to do with my time? If it wasn't about the optics or appearance of success in my career, if other people's opinions of what I did weren't even a factor, what would I choose to do? Like, What would actually just make me so full of joy and feel aligned separate from how it looked on the outside? And that can be a gut-checking question for me sometimes.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. That is so good though, because as you were saying that, I feel right now in this stage of life, like I'm doing it. Like I would be doing so many of the same things, right? I would be home some days, be working on the ranch. I'd be with the kids, family, traveling, but yet I'd still want to be with the people, you know, creating an impact. And that's probably why I said earlier, right? If I could just go volunteer, I would do this Mm -hmm. with this group and this with that one. I would go on hikes. I would do races. I would do all these things. But I think that's where we have to really ask ourselves, not our friend or our neighbor or even our coach, right? I have to ask myself, what does that look like?
0: I love that. I saw that James Clear put in his newsletter this week, James Clear wrote the book Atomic Habits, which I love. And he said that a new thing that he's implementing in his life is that being successful or winning is about who has the most fun. And I loved that Mm -hmm. idea so much because I think when it comes to business and life, so often fun is the first thing that we sacrifice in the name of growing a business, building a career, making more revenue. But what if fun is actually the magic, the secret sauce to all the success in your life is if you can have the most fun, that actually creates the most alignment. I just love that perspective.
1: Okay, I love that a ton, especially because number one, you'll laugh. I don't know if you know. I'm reading that book right now. I'm actually in a book club reading Atomic Habits, and the worst part is it's been on my shelf for forever. So Mm -hmm. if it's on anybody else's shelf, now is the time. Oh, grab it immediately! I just love that it's a deep dive into the brain and trying to understand right how or why we do things that we do. But I love that. Isn't that interesting? Because there have been seasons of my life where. It can be so much work, right? I mean, whether that's people with young kids and right, everybody says it, it's just a season, or starting your business, it's just a season, or, but at the same time, it's like, why not live in that season right now? How can I make it fun and actually enjoy it? Because we can do that in any season, or it's going to extend it and make it that much more difficult if that's how I'm going to wake up every day thinking, oh, I have to do this, or this takes forever, or when will I get to sleep again? Instead of Mm -hmm. looking at like, what's the good? I I mean, I've talked Mm -hmm. to people about that before. Like, do we see something as a risk? You know, if I'm going to leave my job and be an entrepreneur or I'm going to be on a new board or I'm going to run a 5K. I mean, do I see all these things as a risk and a hard and a challenge? Or is it like, what's the opportunity here? How can I step outside Mm -hmm. that comfort zone a little bit and try something new? And, And I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, how can this be filled with joy and fun and excitement? Mm, so, so good.
0: Hey there. Have you ever thought about having your very own business or services talked about right here on the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast? Well, it is your lucky day, my friends. I am officially opening up opportunities to be a sponsor to have your very own 30 or 60 second ad right here within the show. To learn more about how you can partner with me as a podcast sponsor or maybe even through Instagram, Facebook, or email marketing, visit coachkaya.com forward slash partner to learn more. I would love to work with you. Yeah. You know, I just, I feel like last year, especially I went through a deep season of burnout as an entrepreneur and it hit me, Callie, I'm like, what is happening? Like I'm the boss. How, like how did I get here? How did I get here of such deep burnout when I'm the one who dictates my schedule and what I do and what I don't do? And I think part of it for me was, I think I was so focused on these these metrics and doing a good job and getting better and serving more that I forgot about the fun piece. Like I forgot about making sure that that was an important foundation point for all the work that I did as an entrepreneur. And so for me, what that burnout season looked like is I had to take a step back from some of these things. And now as I'm kind of rebuilding some programs and gearing up for, you know, what do I want the last two months, the last, not two months, but last two quarters of the year to look like, the question I'm asking myself first is what would feel really exciting and really, really fun to do?
1: Oh, I like that. Hey everybody write it down pause and think on that and ask that question because I am such I I'm the person too where it's like let's make this fun and enjoyable right mm-hmm. and I think there's that reality too you could almost look at it the other side as well which people don't always like to but you have to know when you're hitting that burnout Because it's so easy to get in this state of I have to say yes to this and I have to say Mm -hmm. yes to this, especially Mm -hmm. if I'm building a business and I want it to grow and I want and need to be in front of people and stuff. And so it's like you yourself have to measure like, okay, is this burnout? Is this too much? I know when that is right. I can feel that I can sense that. Or there's this other fine line too of, or is it just hard work that I know Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to put the work ethic in here and I'm going to have to grind it out a little bit. And earlier this year, I was kind of there, you know, and I had to sit and think like, is this too much, you know, going into the schools, doing the masterminds, running and speaking, doing like, is this too much? Or is that a thought I have in my head? Like, how can I help manage my time some more or manage these boundaries or my to-do lists and stuff? What can I delegate? What can I ditch? All of those things versus like, you know, and I had this talk with somebody just this morning, even. And they were talking about, you, you work so hard. And I thought, you know, I mean, I do. I do work hard and I am not afraid to admit that. I think that is such an attribute until you hit burnout and you can't serve your family or show up for those that mean the most to you. But I said, you know, but I still don't work as hard as my mom and dad did, as my grandparents did, as my great grandparents did they worked hard. They worked so hard mm-hmm. for what they have and what we have today on our operation. And so sometimes I have to sit back and ask myself, like, where's my mind? Where's my thoughts mm-hmm. right now in all of this? And is it too much? Or do I need to change some things up? Do I need to ask for a little bit of help so that I can keep working in those gifts and talents that are mine? Mm, so good. And I think the other thing too, is I just
0: want to circle back around to that comparison idea and keeping like keeping in mind too, knowing what the difference between burnout and hard work is And also recognizing that those thresholds are different for every single person, you know, because someone on the outside looking in could be looking at like, oh my gosh, well, Callie's doing all these things. She's excelling at all of them. She's working really hard and she's doing a great job. I need to be doing more. And that is not necessarily true. I think that we all have to recognize what our capacity is and like really learn how to honor our own energy without letting the outside noise kind of influence it. And I think that all comes back down to perspective and mindset and how we think about things which I mm-hmm. want to gear gear our conversation towards a little bit because I know that mindset is like the your bread and butter callie. So for someone that's maybe going through a season right now in life whether they are parenting, working in a business, um maybe they're an entrepreneur, whatever that looks like. You know, we talk a lot about mindset and how powerful perspective is. What are some simple tools that you share in the work that you do to really help people implement these mindset shifts or even just awareness of where their mindset is at?
1: I think one of the things, and I'll do this a lot of times, and often in my masterminds, I'll run group coaching calls with them too, which is so beneficial because they get to go through the coaching process and see what that is. And I'll often explain to people, I mean, coaching and training are very different. And so from my perspective, I can come in and train and teach and give you skills and ideas and stuff. But the unique thing about having a true coach is it's somebody where I'm asking you the questions mm-hmm. for you to figure it out, right? Kind of like we said earlier. I can get ideas from Kaya. I can learn how you did it. I can follow other people, but the reality is, the best way to do something is going to be what comes out of my brain, and that mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's going to be done perfectly or the right way, and that there isn't going to be ways to learn and grow. But oftentimes, I'm going to act more on my own thoughts and and where they're guiding me and stuff, and so. An example that I kind of walk people through is a model. And the first thing that we talk about is their circumstance. And so I will often even use the drought, right? We could talk about the drought that we had a couple of years here in, in my area, and it was the worst drought on record. That's our fact, right? You can take anything that is a fact. I have three kids. That's a fact, right? I started a new job. Maybe that's your fact. The thing is, then you take that and you Check yourself and ask, what is the thought that I have around it? So if people are thinking about this drought, most people, the fact is there's a drought, the thought is going to be, this is awful, or this is going to wreck our business, or this is the end of everything for us. Then we, I trickle them down into, okay, what's your feeling? I mean, I'm going to feel defeated, probably, if that's my thought I have. What's the action I'm going to take? Or what's the inaction I'm going to take? I'm going to, maybe I'll sit around more. I'm probably not going to be researching things to do in a drought or what are the opportunities that there could be in a drought. And then I'm going to have an action line. And so a lot of times that's the biggest thing I'll ask people is, okay, what's the thought you have about that thing? And is that thought serving you? And so I think getting people to pause and slow down and recognize, okay, is this a fact what you're saying? Or is this a thought that you're having? And to be honest, it's really hard because a lot of times we want to take that circumstance and say, yeah, but, you know, this Mm. person said this or they did this to me. And that's probably true. Right. That is a fact. But now I get to choose what I think about it. And Mm. that is going to completely change my outcome of whatever Mm. happens. You know, and that's why I can say we probably had one of our best years during the drought because we didn't think what was me. This is the end. What are we going to do? We thought, okay. This is the fact. Let's figure it out. What are some of the options? What should we do? Do we need to change herd size? How can we do we need to just add more beef? I mean, just it gives you more options when you have a clear mindset and it's one that actually serves you.
0: Mm, I love this. I love that you also said that it's not easy because you're right. I think this is the hardest work in my coaching practice. Mm -hmm. I, I literally call it thought work. I don't know what you call it, Callie. And I've shared in a previous episode, I think it was one of my early episodes, it was talking about how thoughts shape our lives. And we kind of worked through this think, feel, do cycle. And I think what's so important about it is that I think a lot of us get so caught up in feeling victim to our circumstances. And we feel very loyal to the stories that we're telling ourselves, very loyal. And a lot of times we don't even separate ourselves from the story To ask ourselves, is this story true or is this just a story that
1: I'm choosing to believe? And that I mean, that goes back to the book that we were just talking about, right? Mm -hmm. Atomic Habits. And it's so what what's that hardwiring that's been put in my brain? What do I think about money? What do I think about the ag industry as a whole? Like, what did my parents teach? What did I hear as I was growing up and all these things? And that reminds me like when I came home. I remember when I graduated from college and I came home and my mom actually said to me, I can picture it. We're standing outside and she said, are you sure you want to come back here? And mm-hmm. and she didn't mean it in a bad way, but they just knew those struggles. You know, and so that could be put in my head like this is only hard and it's only going to be a struggle. And it's going to be mm-hmm. difficult if I'm going to farm and ranch or I can paint a new picture. And it takes time. I mean, to begin to rewire your brain that has thought for so long, I have this thought about money. I have this thought about being an entrepreneur. I think a mom should do things this way. And if I want to change that, because it's not serving me right now, those thoughts, I can begin to work on that. It takes practice. And the first thing is, is just noticing, like trying to catch those thoughts that I'm having. Absolutely.
0: And I think going into it too, with so much, I say this phrase all the time, but compassionate curiosity of Okay, this is the story I've been believing. Where did that story come from? And giving yourself also some grace when you realize, oh my gosh, I, me? Like I just think of the Taylor Swift song of like, it's me, I'm the problem. Like it's actually the thoughts that I've been choosing to believe, me. But really, <laughs> making sure that when you dive into this work, I think it's like it's such a beautiful journey and a hard journey when you start doing this mindset, this mental health work because you uncover so many things. And I, I just. I want to encourage those of you that are really working to do this work in your life to just be so compassionately curious as you become more aware of those thoughts you have in your, in your brain.
1: No, you're so spot on to be curious, not judge ourselves, not shame mm. ourselves for this is what I've done or how I've always thought. Just recognize it and be curious like, huh, where did I get that thought from? And then you can start to ask yourself, is it serving me? Is it helping me? Is it a thought that I want to keep living with? Or can we begin to change it? So good. In the theme of thought work
0: and mindset, and I love that you brought up the the example of the drought, I want to shift really quick and talk to you a little bit more about this mental health first aid work that you do. You and I are both, we were both raised in agriculture and I know we have a lot of listeners here on the show that come from the agriculture background, but even if not, I think this will still be really, really something that resonates with them. So you and I both know that mental health is a hot topic in agriculture. I mean, understandably so because mental health issues are so, so prevalent within our industry and in the work that you do, not just as a leadership trainer or as a coach, but also doing mental health first aid I would love to hear a little bit more about what that is, what that looks like, and how we kind of change the conversation, not even just within the agriculture industry, but across the board when it comes to mental health issues. Can you talk more about what that looks like?
1: Yes, I would love to. I I love this topic, and it's a much-needed one everywhere. You're right, not only in agriculture, but across. And I've done it specifically for agricultural groups, but I've also done it for communities I've done it for police departments volunteer fire departments and and everybody in between community wide ones and so what it is I will actually a lot of times even when I'm speaking I will ask people how many of you have had first aid CPR training and a majority of the hands will go up in the room everybody knows what it is or they've it's probably been mandatory training I think I've had it 3 times actually And then I ask them, how many of you have had mental health first aid training? And very few hands go up, if any, or they kind of look at each other like, wait, what is that? Have I done that? And odds are they haven't. And so what it is, it's exactly like it sounds like it's for mental health first aid. And so I often tell people, and we talk about this in the class too, it's not for you to think that you've become a a counselor or a therapist or that you get to play doctor it is to help bridge that gap between, hey, I recognize something and that's those signs and symptoms that we learn to look for. And how can I bridge that gap and get them the help that they need? And a lot of times that looks like if I came upon a car crash, I would know what to do. I could at least stop. I could call 911. I could help them as much as I could in that time. But then I'm giving them to the professionals who who know what they're doing. And that's the same thing here. In fact, the training actually starts off with a video called The Awkward Conversation. And I'm guessing there's plenty, myself included, who have been in that situation where somebody comes up and what do we say? I say to you, Kaya, how are you doing today? You say, I'm doing good. Right, that's what we all do and that's what we're used to. But if and when somebody says, I'm not doing that well and I've had that happen twice in my life and I will tell you, I stood there dumbfounded as to What do you mean? You're you're Mm -hmm. always good. Were the thoughts going through my head? How Mm -hmm. could you not be? And so, what am I supposed to do? And what this class does is it helps people to okay, I know what to say now. I know what to look for. I know what help is available to people, and I can encourage them because that's actually what the statistics show: is people who are struggling, and Mm -hmm. we go through all sorts of the mental health disorders, from anorexia to Anxiety, depression, PTSD, suicide—we talk about all of them. But people are more likely to get help if somebody asks them, "Hey, how are you?" Or I noticed this, mm-hmm. and I will actually often tell the story of—I don't know about you guys, but when I go to the grocery store, I have like my list, and it's like I need to get in and out before daycare closes, mm-hmm. and Laney is stuck out on the sidewalk. I just am kind of go go go. I've got got to get things done and. But the problem is I run into everybody in the grocery store in small town (laughs) and I can remember it. I was going by the fruit and my neighbor was there and I said, hey, Judy, how are you doing? And she said very slowly, oh, I'm doing all right. And that was like my cue to pause. This was after Mm -hmm. I'd had this training and I thought, uh oh, she's not all right. And I stood there for a couple seconds and I thought, what is going on? And then I remembered her sister had passed away just a couple days earlier. Mm-hmm. And so we mm-hmm. stood there for 15 minutes and visited. And I think that is such an important message that John Maxwell actually passed on to me at one of his trainings that I will forever remember because I am such a busybody and I like to go, go, go. And I've got things mm-hmm. to do and places to be. But he said, walk slowly through the crowds. And that will forever stick with me because how often are we in such a hurry? That we're maybe not noticing other people around us who, it could be our own family members or friends, and I'm too busy focused on what I have going on and what I have to get done that I don't notice maybe they're struggling with something. And so to walk slowly through the crowds, and that relates to that mental health training, what can I do to recognize the signs and symptoms? And what can I do then to help get them that help that they might need? Oh, I had the chills hearing you
0: share that story, just because I think so often we forget the impact that we can make even just through conversation too. And I think it's also just a beautiful reminder that we don't know what the person next to us that lives next door that might even live in the same home as us that we work alongside. We have no idea what people are going through because we're all so caught up in our own stuff. That's just how we're hardwired. We're very self-involved people just by nature. But man, the power of pausing and just having a conversation is huge.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, and what you said there reminds me too something that we cover in the class is trauma can have such a huge impact and it actually can often put people at higher risk for a mental health disorder. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I have often even had to remind myself is that I can face something that's hard and you can face something that's hard and it can be the exact same thing. Maybe we both go through a tornado or we're both in a car wreck together or whatever that traumatic event might be, but I might perceive it differently than you do. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes that can go back to that comparison thing and I can think, oh, well, he should be fine. You know, we all went through the drought and why is he having mm-hmm. such a hard time? But that's where we need to not do that because Another huge thing we focus on in the class is stigma. And we talk about how much this is still a stigma and why it is and how it's hurting the community if we choose to let this be as a, as a stigma and approach it that way. Cause, because it's not being talked about and people don't recognize like, hey, we could literally be saving people's lives. And, and I often tell people, too, you know, the number of people that raise their hands and say they've had CPR, first aid training, I say, how many times have you used that? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I thankfully, I mean, for the number of times that I've had that training, have never had to use it. I mean, Mm -hmm. yes, the kids get hurt once in a while, but thankfully I've never had to do any major first aid things. But I think about mental health first aid, I use it every week, if not every day. And it Mm -hmm. might be for myself or it might be for family or people that I see in the community.
0: Mm. So I love the idea because I remember you when when we were at Cultivating Courage together, I remember you stood up and you asked that question and only a few hands out of over 300 people were raised. And I'll admit, I didn't even know that this was a thing, Callie. And I'm kind of like in this line of work, you know? So how does someone become mental health certified if that's something they're like, wait, I want to be that person in my community? How does that even work?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, they can look it up. Just Google mental health first aid and you can find their site and everything. There aren't as many trainers as there should be, I think. And so I am trained to certify people so I can host the classes they're incredibly impactful. I was telling somebody the other day, they don't sound like much fun to go to a day long class on mental health first aid. I mean, that sounds really scary if you ask Mm -hmm. me. But the fact is, there's so many videos and activities and conversations. And the number of positive testimonies I have coming Mm -hmm. back from people are just unbelievable. Because the interesting thing is, like you said earlier, sometimes I know people's stories that are in the room. And I know what's happened to their families or what they've dealt with themselves. Mm -hmm. And they might not say much at all in the class, Mm -hmm. which is just fine. And then I've got people who I had no idea what they were dealing Mm -hmm. with, and they felt so comfortable that they could open up and share in the class. And so, Mm -hmm. like I said, they can go to the website and look and see what's available to them there. But there are a variety of trainings, or like I always say, I love to travel to and and meet people. And I've always got a variety of whether it's community ones or specific Mm -hmm. ones, you know, if a bank wants to host one, or an agriculture organization wants to host one for their members or their team, we can do private ones as well. That's so cool. So, so cool.
0: Callie, one of the questions that I ask everyone that comes on the podcast, um, the podcast is called Climbing because it's a metaphor for the mountains that we climb in life with lots of high highs and low valleys. So I'm curious for you right now in this season of life that you're in, what is a mountain that you're currently climbing in your life or your career?
1: Oh, that's always a great question. Interestingly enough, I think I'm going to take a little bit different direction on this. And surprisingly, because people don't always see these things, right? Mm-hmm. I wish I could eat healthier, Kaya. It's <laughs> it's funny how I can have all these business things going and I can be getting my kids where they mm-hmm. need to be in this and that. But like, sometimes it's a challenge for me to feel my body properly. Mm-hmm. And as silly as that sounds, that can be a challenge because I, last year was the first time I attempted an ultra marathon. And it's one of those things where we're looking at maybe doing it again this summer or trying it. And I think health is such a critical thing. And there's so many things that embody that from sleep to water to stress levels to what am I eating. And I think we all have our where we're doing well and where we're not doing so well. And, man, I was doing good earlier this year. Right. And I think I know. That's why I stayed so healthy this whole winter. All the traveling I was doing was Mm -hmm. because of how healthy I was eating. But that's the struggle, right? Going back and forth of, man, I need to get back on track because I love sweets. I love cookies and brownies and ice cream and bread and all those things. But it's Mm -hmm. like finding that happy medium for me, right? And So what's that to look like instead of putting shame on myself Mm -hmm. because maybe I eat something one day I didn't want to?
0: Mm, That's good. That's good. And I think it kind of this makes me think back to harmony, right? Like, we all have Mm -hmm. so many things that we're juggling, whether it's our job, our career, our family, or like our own personal health and how we're eating. And so it just sounds to me like you're finding you're trying to find harmony there. The follow up question I have for that is, you know, I talk about how. The real secret in life is not to wait until you reach the peak of the mountain, until you finish the climb, but it's about finding the joy in the journey. So in that journey of wanting to eat and fuel your body healthier, where are you finding
1: joy in that journey in this moment? I think it's just realizing how I treat myself, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. And that's those two different perspectives too. So every time I wake up and, and think I wronged or I messed up something, whether that's the food or that's a business, something I feel like I messed up on in my business or whatever. I actually, when I go into the schools, I work with youth some too. It's like, okay, did we fail or did we learn, right? I have Mm -hmm. these, actually one of the books John wrote, right? Is sometimes I win, sometimes I learn, right? Mm -hmm. I can see it as a loss or a failure or a mess up. And I just realized how much, right? Going back to that model when it comes to coaching, if I'm gonna believe that about myself, odds are my actions aren't going to change, right? Mm -hmm. My results aren't going to change. And so if I think, hey, it's all right. Today's a new day. I have a new chance, make new connections, eat different foods, go for another walk, find that joy and fun in all of it. I can completely change what happens.
0: Mm, So good. Again, just a reminder of how powerful perspective and our thoughts are, no matter what the goal is that we're trying to reach for. Callie, is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners before we ask about all the ways that they can connect with you?
1: You know, I think we covered, we went a lot of different directions today, which was fun. And I think that's the unique thing that everybody has to figure out, right? Because even after, again, another podcast with another listener and another person that you're interviewing and it's, okay, that's the circumstance, right? You listen to the podcast today. And so now what do I want to think? Do I want to think? I'm not doing enough. I couldn't be successful. I right. We can go down that path or we can think, what do I want to take from this? What's one thing I maybe want to implement or learn about or begin a new journey on? And I think so much of that goes back to that comparison of watching our thoughts. Who do I want to be? Slowing down to figure that out and then beginning to walk it out in your life.
0: Mm, Love that so much. Callie, thank you so much for coming on the show. I so appreciate it. And I just love all the goodness that you're sharing in your community. And so, so, so far beyond that, for those that want to get into your orbit, connect with you in all the ways, where can they find you?
1: I would say the best place is they can always go to my website. It's Com. I always say there's no E on Callie, but E on Thorn. So C-A-L-L-I T-H-O-R-N-E, You can jump on my email listserv there. I'm not good at sending emails. So if they like that idea, jump on there because it's usually <laughs> only when I've got a mastermind opening up or something happening. And so they can do that or they can jump on Facebook or Instagram as well and they can find me at Thorn Or on Facebook, I've got a couple pages. One for our ranch is Triangle M Ranch and Feedlot. And then Pioneering Legacy is my leadership page so good. And we'll make sure to have all those linked
0: down in the show notes. You guys can easily click over and find Callie. I will also link the Atomic Habits book down below too, in case you want to join us in reading that. I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Again, thank you so much, Callie, for being here. It's been such a joy to have you.
1: Uh, Thank you for having me. It's
0: been my pleasure. And thank you, sweet listeners, for tuning into another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. I'll see you right back here, same time, same place next week. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please hit subscribe and leave me a review, sharing what you loved most. Come hang out with me on Instagram and Facebook to keep the conversation going as we continue to find joy in the journey. Until next time, I am cheering for you, friend.
1: Keep climbing and we'll chat soon.